Welcome to the Whole Indie Show, your home for your weekly slice of indie goodness. So it's natural that I ask myself, is this a risk I'm willing to take? And the answer, absolutely. If you know something about me, you know that I am trying to change the wave of the future. Jesus, what is the We need to pay to Innocence, once lost, can never be regained. Darkness, once gazed upon, can never be lost. All things truly wicked start from innocence. Because I want to see you, see me, smash it up. Come and play. What I want is Brian Danielson's head on a stick. This is my challenge to everybody on the independent scene, and that's to thrive. Thrive to be the best in the world. With your hosts, Sandro Latelpa. And Ashley Richardson. And welcome everybody to another week of indie goodness from the whole indie show here on the SS Radio Network. As ever, I am Ashley. Joining me is Sandro and... um, yeah, stuff. I can't say it's been an overly busy week, but significant things have happened, wouldn't you say, Sandra? Uh, yeah, I would definitely say that. I mean, something... Um, I think overall, a pretty solid pay-per-view from Ring of Honor on Friday, and the, some stuff, uh, I guess, somewhat occurred on the on the Saturday, with the exception of one match, which uh, was only available to the live crowd only. But uh, we'll get into that in a bit. Yes, um, so we'll start off with the news and good old PWG have decided to mix things up more, even more so, I should say, as uh, seven more names have been added to the British trio of uh, the Battle of Los Angeles, one of which is British in himself, so I'll get we'll get to that one first. Um, joining Osprey Skull and Timothy Thatcher is Mark Andrews. Who again? I think was wasn't he part of the Shikara stuff? I think. Yes, he was. Because he he actually had the match with Silverant on the. Was it the Saturday show, in Cardiff? Yeah, it was there one of the other nights. It was, I think it was. I think it was the Cardiff show. But um, you know that's a bit, and is Mark Andrews the one that got picked up by British Boot Camp as well for TNA? I think. I don't know. Remember. <clears throat> Either way, you know that's a pretty good big scoop. Um, but then your other names are big names, and one that could be significant. Um, we've got Speedball Mike Bailey, we've got Chris Hero, Biff Busick, Brian Cage, Tommy End making his return, which is good to see, and Ricochet. This ties into news that I first heard on uh, the weekly newscast from PW Ponderings that apparently Ricochet is going to be doing a stint in Dragon Gate in Japan again. 
Yeah, he just made a return over there this past weekend. Made a surprise uh, as uh, Shima uh, was hinting to bring in some foreigners, but he did say it would be some returning foreigners, although never mentioned who it was. And the first of the, I guess, three people he's wanted to bring back was definitely Ricochet, and a lot of people were very happy. Which uh, also uh, goes into more speculation on what the future holds for the Lucha Underground uh, TV series. As as so far, nothing has been officially announced, even though uh, some rumblings were going around claiming that Lucha Underground is supposed to make some sort of announcement at some point. And in the last couple of weeks, they haven't said a damn thing. Which is worrying, considering... Have we got any? How many more episodes have we got left, or are we done with the series now? Uh, the last episode is supposed to end at some point in August. Okay, so we got. About I don't a have the exact date. Yeah, left. I, yeah, I don't have an exact date for that uh, last April, but at some point in August. Yeah, mm. it's worrying to see, but then again, I think that's what happens when you have a big budget and. Not enough people being able to see it because it's on the wrong channel. That and uh, of course there were also um, segue. There were some uh, reports saying that uh, majority of the talent on Lucha Underground are a bit worried because nothing has been announced for like season two, and apparently they're already taking bookings uh, past August. As a well, they haven't heard anything from the head people in Lucha Underground. So they're, you know, they're getting worried that uh, this might not happen. Well, key point, key example of that is, um, is it Phoenix and um, Pentagon? With the uh, Windy City Classic coming up in November? No, I think they'll do fine. I mean, I don't think they need... uh... No, but I'm saying that's an indication that talent is looking for other bookings because of the, you know, because of the uncertainty of Lucha Underground's future. Probably, but uh, I think this was more concerning to like the the American roster, pretty much. But yeah, <clears throat> no, 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 no. I see your point there. Yeah, because but there's probably just got the AAA and <laughs> rip, rip everybody apart. But there's probably a good chance that maybe a few of the core AAA talent can make a few appearances in the U.S. I mean, of course, we know that. Phoenix and Pentagon Jr. are coming in the U.S. In, for AAW in November. I mean, there's probably a good chance that uh, they could appear in other places from now until, like, the fall. I mean, there's even a very good chance that maybe a few of them could appear for, you know, Bolo Weekend. It may not even be for the tournament itself. It's just, it could be for, like, a showcase match. Who knows? Yeah. Bowlers do like to do showcases every once in a while. So now, um, some Beyond Wrestling news. Mm. And this was posted up on our social media, and I think by Drew, on Monday, I think, roughly? Uh, Actually, it was posted, uh, I think, yesterday. That was on Tuesday. So, um, basically, he put a... He put a message out saying that they need $1,500 by the end of this week. And Drew, being, you know, the man of honesty that he is, has come out and basically 
said the reason why. So, basically, due to the quality of the shows and the rising fan base that Beyond's getting, he wanted to get a good card for this weekend's show, Life Sucks and Then You Die, which we'll preview later. So, when he got word at the end of March of a promoter wanting to see whether he'd be interested in working with some of the wrestlers that he's bringing to the New England FanFest convention. He was willing to take a shot because they'd done deals with Ring of Honor, they'd done deals with XWA, and, and this is the confirmation, they even worked with PWG in the name of Maximizing Resources. So that East Coast versus West Coast match was basically co-sort of put together with PWG's blessing, I guess. That's the first time we've had it officially confirmed. So they took a risk working with Chris from Top Flight Bookings. We're naming him because it's one of these people. So he was bringing Paul London, Candice and Joey, and a few others to Rhode Island to do autographs and pictures at his booth. And then they'd all... And London, Candice and Joey themselves would compete at the show on Sunday. Since we're all working together, um, he can he says, quote, uh, it was only fair to split the cost of the flights. In fact, this was the only option. We simply didn't have it in the budget to cover three West Coast flights this month, but I wanted to present the strongest lineup possible. So we agreed that he'd front the money for the airfare and that I, being Drew, would book the hotel rooms and the difference would be split. Unfortunately, every time that this Chris individual was asked for the flight itinerary, he was met with an excuse. An excuse, an excuse, and an excuse, and stopped returning messages a week and a half ago. So, Drew was left with two options. One, cancel Candice and Joey versus Team Tremendous and AR Fox versus Paul London, or figure out a way to make it work on my own. Uh, needless to say, he put out quite a bit of money for the pair of round-trip flights from L.A. to Boston. And as he says, hey, guess what? When you buy flights the week of a show, they're even more expensive. And he says how uh, Jerry Ryan uh, offered to cover one leg of Candace's trip with frequent flyer miles that he accumulated, which is you know, good on Joey for that, certainly. And as, and as Drew says, people who love wrestling and love the fans and are willing to do whatever it takes to follow through with their commitments. So the show's going on as scheduled, but basically to make sure he isn't too out of pocket, he needs to reimburse himself. He needs to be reimbursed somehow with the $1,500. So uh, he doesn't want donations, but if you want to support Beyond Wrestling... Uh, you can send an email to beyondwrestling at gmail.com and Drew will get you information about their secret sale, which is only on for this weekend. Uh, And basically through this sale, they're going to be selling raw footage, uh, DVDs, T-shirts, and a whole lot of other stuff. Uh, And he says, if we come up short, it's not the end of Beyond Wrestling, but it will mean making modifications to the tentative schedule scheduled card for American Rana 15, which is out of control in the best possible way. Uh, Something to add to that as well, 
money will be going to them as well through their pro wrestling tees uh, shop. Is it? Do you, have you got the details on their pro wrestling tees um, site? Yeah, pro wrestling tees slash beyond wrestling. So you can go there, and as an added thing, um, Dave Cole is selling. Is it? I'm guessing this might be on eBay or something. I'm not sure. But he's created a special Eddie Edwards Biff Busick Funko Pop style figure. Which I'm guessing is unique. But uh, all the proceeds of it uh, will be going to the the Beyond Fund as it's being described. So that's that's a nice little touch. You know, all these wrestlers willing to do their best to help out this company that got screwed out because of some dodgy bloke called Chris from Top Flight Bookings. And we'll keep stressing that. Chris from Top Flight Bookings equals dodgy. Um... Actually, I'm just wondering, considering we know that Crelly's going, perhaps we could get him to ask questions. Why did you screw over Drew Cordero? At least I think he's going, because I did see him put up like an autograph sheet for some sort of New England uh, wrestling thing. So I don't know. But either way, um, yeah, beyondwrestling at gmail.com. ProWrestlingTees.com slash Beyond Wrestling. Uh, whatever the thing Dave Cole's doing. There's more details on the Beyond Wrestling Facebook page for that as well. As well as, um, you know, you'll get to that through our social media sources and everything. Go and help them. Yeah, I'm probably, after we finish recording here, I might send off an email as well because I'm willing to... Uh, help out by possibly getting some raw footage from some of the shows that I probably should have got over the uh, last few months or so. Uh, yeah, it's it's a shame that, you know, that whole situation occurred um, as far as, like, booking certain talents. But, um, yeah, that, I think that's the, the unfortunate thing about wrestling and, more importantly, independent wrestling so you're not really going to guarantee what you what you're going to get. And uh yeah, I guess you got, you know, screwed over there and uh, you know, I mean, if you want to help, go ahead. If you know, if not, that's fine, but I saw a few people uh well, a few wrestlers, I'm not going to mention names that were not uh, in favor of the way that uh drew uh I guess Basically, uh, explain the whole story, you know, in public. Yeah. Well, it's better to be up front. To, to be honest, I, I approve of it because it's bringing to light some shady promoter. Yeah. I mean, I don't blame Drew for, you know, telling the, the fans what the, you know, what the situation uh, is going on with the promotion and what uh, he, decisions he had to make in order to 
make sure that this show for this weekend is happening. And then, of course, uh, the next show, which is uh, American Rana, which, mm-hmm. you know, you always like, keep saying, hearing, excuse me, that, you know, this could be like the last show and whatnot. And, of course, American Rana, is, it seems to be that, you know, that big event for Beyond Wrestling. So, obviously, he's, he's planning to bring in uh, maybe a few big-name talents for that show. And, obviously, that's going to be very cost-effective. So he's got to be making money back for this weekend in order to bring certain talents for Mm-hmm. Definitely. A uh, couple of uh, ad- uh, additions and adjustments to the Tier 1 wrestling card, which is coming up in a few weeks. Uh, along with everything, we now actually have a ticket pricing, apparently. Uh, which you can get tickets at tier1wrestling.org slash shop slash category slash show dash tickets. Uh, general admission tickets are going to be 20 bucks and front row reserved is 25 So ni- nice and affordable, to be quite honest. Not not too over the top. Um, but in terms of what's, what's, on the, what's been adjusted, uh, Granakuma's match with Carlos Sanchez apparently isn't happening now. It's now advertised as Akuma taking on a mystery opponent. And uh, a new tag match has been added as Style and Finesse will be taking on Milk Chocolate. So we got that. Uh, and then final, in terms of crazy video from me, that isn't your usual, you know, Life of Juice or Making Towns or Candice and Joey or Podcast a Go-Go. I don't know whether this is... By the looks of it, this is going to be a series. But AIW has introduced a mini-series entitled Dick's Nightmare. Because apparently, you know, the Nightmare Freddy character was so over in AIW. Which you could tell by the fans being absolutely silent in the, in the clip that they showed before the pilot episode. Oh, yeah, I like Dick Justice, but I don't have a clue what this is about. This is making paranormal activity look good. Well, um, I guess going on to news for uh, myself. Uh, Let's start with Ring of Honor. So, obviously, we know that they, they announced... For SummerSlam weekend that they're having a show on the Saturday here in New York and Brooklyn, Coney Island, Field of Honor. And then, of course, uh, I guess they kind of got sidelined about a month later with NXT East announced that they were having a show in New York City at the Hammerstein Ballroom the same night and the same time. And uh, a lot of people, mostly myself, were thinking... The Ring of Honor show is going to suffer big time. And so, then... <laughs> what was Ring of Honor going to do to combat the NXT show? Well, surprise, surprise. They, Ring of Honor has announced that they're going to be bringing in Shinsuke Nakamura, Kazuchika Okada, and Kushida... For the Saturday night Ring of Honor Field of Honor show. 
they're also going to be a part of the uh, Aftershock tapings in Philadelphia uh, a couple of nights before that uh, weekend. I think it's Friday, isn't it? Is it a Friday? Yeah, I think it's 21st and 22nd. So the TV tapings happening on the Friday and then Saturday will be the Field of Honor show. Yeah, you're correct. Yeah, it's the uh, so doubleheader Friday and Saturday. Yeah, Friday and Saturday. So three talents from New Japan are going to be coming into the Northeast. And I said on the Facebook page, very smart move by Ring of Honor to make people come to their show because they know NXT is, let's face it, it's the hot thing right now in wrestling. Uh, I'm pretty sure that tickets will still be available for that Ring of Honor show, the the Brooklyn show. Uh, I've heard that tickets have been going well, but I'm pretty sure it will not sell out. It didn't sell out last year, and I'm pretty sure it won't sell out this year. I hate to say that, but they couldn't even uh, sell out that uh, baseball field. It wasn't even half full. There were several uh, bleacher seats areas that were very emptied. Mm. So I'm pretty sure tickets will still be available for that show. Uh, Unfortunately, the NXT tickets for that for that night still haven't been on sale, and I'm very I'm keeping my eye for that to happen because once that those tickets go online, I'm gonna. Go online and buy those damn tickets because I'm going to that show. The NXT show. Anyways, but you know what? Uh, good on Ring of Honor to get something big uh, for people to come to that show on that night. Um, speaking of uh, tickets, uh, AIW have announced that the Absolution 10 show happening next month, has been officially sold out. Wow. Nice. They have been sold out for that venue. And uh, I remember seeing John Thorne mentioning that they will have very limited tickets available the day of the show. So if you didn't get a chance to buy a ticket for Absolution 10 and you want to go to the show... You better get there in front of the line in order to watch the show. So that's your only chance to watch it live. But very, very happy, very good news for AIW. Very well deserved. Definitely. And I believe that is it for now. Okay. That's all the news for this week. Expect quite a bit coming in over the probably the next week or so because we're building up to the big sort of July shows mm-hmm. obviously PWG will be announcing some matches I think there is a rumor of one for tremendous four but I uh, don't want to say it and just in case it 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 doesn't happen but it will be a good match if it does um, let's just say it involves tag action that's all that's as far as I'm going so, uh, results. Now, I'm only bringing this up now because we forgot about it last week, but uh, a couple of significant things happened in Dragon Under J- Gate Japan um, a few weeks ago, as it is now. Uh, Sunday the 14th, 
had their they had their Champion Gate show, and on it, uh, we did see a couple of uh, changes on the title front. Uh, the Triangle Gate title uh, left the Jimmies and uh, went to Team Chima of Chima Dom Fuji and Gamma. Well, as they got the win, and then uh, we have a new Open the Dreamgate champion as uh, Masato Yoshino uh, beat BB Hulk, which uh, then leads into uh, Yoshino taking on T Hawk for the show coming up on the 20th of uh, July, and then also uh, announced on the show for that day in July, uh, Akira Tazara defends the Bravegate title against Aita. Um, only reason I brought that up is I fit, I don't know if it's significant enough other than um, there's quite a lot of um, there's quite a lot of Dragon Gate Japan shows happening over the next week or so. I think there's one next week and I just wanted to I think it's like 2nd of July. So by the time it's happened, this podcast might not be up. So, you know, just keep an eye out for that one. There are no major title matches on it, but it is Currican Hall. Uh, which means that literally they're going to be doing Dragon Gate Japan and New Japan shows back to back days. Because they're crazy. <laughs> I don't know. Anyway, yeah. Uh, now, now we'll turn to Global Force Wrestling. Uh, firstly, their Saturday show in Jackson, Missouri. Uh, Sanjay Dutt beat Jimmy Rave with a splash from the top ropes. Jigsaw beat Chuck Taylor with a double foot stamp off the top. Uh, Karen and Jeff then came out. Uh, Jeff thanked the Mississippi Braves and uh, oh, is it? It's Mississippi. Okay. I thought there was a Jackson in Missouri as well. Damn it. Uh, so, basically, you know, it was a, it was just a promo bit. Uh, Taya Trinidad beat Lady Tapper with a Hurricane Rana. Uh, Lady Tapper then attacked multiple officials after the match. Possibly because she's sick of having to do the same match because they can't, they can no, they can't book any other female talent. Uh, PJ Black and Andrew Everett beat the Hot Shots after a springboard 450 from PJ. Uh, Doc Gallows beat Luke Hawks with a two-handed choke slam. Uh, then we had a Scott Steiner promo interrupted by Chris Masters, and the refs had to pull them apart, uh, which led to the main event with Shelton Benjamin beating Chris Masters with a pay dirt after a ref bump and Steiner hitting Masters with a bat. Apparently, Shelton, before the match started, though, got on the mic and announced he was fighting for the honor of Scott Steiner. Does he have any left? Whatever. Uh, then Sunday we they uh, were at the bowling or Bowling Green Kentucky for their uh, next event, uh, which had Cliff Compton defeat Chuck Taylor and Jigsaw won a triple threat featuring Sanjay Dutt and Jimmy Rave. Shelton Benjamin beat Chris uh, Masters with a super kick. Taylor Trinidad beat Lady Tapper with a super kick. Uh, Doc Gallows was victorious over Moose with a roll-up. And the main event saw the Young Bucks beat Andrew Everett 
and PJ Black with the Indy Taker. So uh, there you go. Not the only time that uh, Moose and Young Bucks probably had impressive matches, but we'll get to that. Uh, MYWC's show from Saturday. Uh, we had Brittany Savage retain her MYWC Starlet title against Sammy Pickles. Jesse Neal, victorious over Dan Barry. Uh, the Deadly Sinners won their two-on-one handicap as Apollo, Apollyon and King Mega beat Jesse Vane. Uh, Tony Mameluke and Tyler Murphy went to a no contest. Uh, Ian Oldwin, Jeratel, Mike Werner and Talon won their eight-man tag against the A-listers. The Premier Gods of Tony Nese and Papadon beat the Beaver Boys of Alex Reynolds and John Silver. Drew Gulak was victorious over Angelo Andrews. Joe Gacy retained his NYWC Fusion title, sorry, uh, beating uh, JT Cassin. Stockade then retained the heavyweight title, beating David Starr. And then the main event saw a six-man street fight with Flawless and Lawless and Matt Tremont beating Milk Chocolate and DJ Hyde. So... Just because of that, that makes me wonder why DJ Hyde hates milk chocolate and CCW. Then again, we've only seen them once, but I think milk chocolate have been confirmed to be uh, doing another musical number at the next show in a couple of weeks. So expect to see that dire death, especially if uh, Dick Gage is on the card because he could just kill him. Uh, <laughs> Uh, then we had TCW's um, sort of sideshow at the 95X Fest. Uh, we had Studley Steve McKenzie beat Rob Cook. Isis FX beat Kevin the Man Graham. Uh, Supercop Dick Justice, with his uh, people in his corner, managed to beat Eric M. Timmons and Peter D. Order with Bin Hameen. Uh, the stipulation, uh, because Dick won, was Bin Hameen had to pledge allegiance <clears throat> to the U.S. flag. And then got slammed afterwards, apparently. Uh, Cheech beat Guerrero Logo. Peppers Parks defeated Juggernaut Jason Axe. Uh, then, for the TCW heavyweight title, Captain Nick Ando beat Tommy Dreamer to get back his TCW title. He, uh, I think that was that was Ando's rematch, I believe. So uh, Tommy Dreamer fails in his first defense, I guess. And the main event saw X-Pac and Sean Carr beat Colin Delaney and JT Dunn. Again, your heavyweight title match is not the main event. I sometimes don't get this with companies. Whatever. Uh, then we come to On Point Wrestling's loyalty show from Sunday. Uh, the show started with the regnet king of the jungle, Jimmy Lyon, asking for a fight. So out came the hooligans to disperse of uh, Jimmy, only to have Nick Gage hit the ring and engage and said that Nate Hatred isn't here tonight, so would fight both the hooligans by himself. So the hate club isn't happening. <laughs> oh, my word. Uh, anyway, opening match, uh, we saw the Viking War Party defeat Argus, who's now being labeled as the Iron Bull. I like that. Uh, Ty Awesome and Josh Adams. Uh, Xavier Cross beat Devon Moore. Uh, it's worth noting that Oz Tyler, the uh, on-point champion, hit Devon Moore while the referee was uh, taken out. 
Kai Katana beat Kefka the Quiet. Uh, Connor Claxton made his debut for the company, beating Jeff Cannonball. Afterwards, Cannonball called out Matt Tremont and demanded a rematch for their first match back in April. Uh, Tremont accepted, but would up the stakes. Uh, so, Tremont Cannonball 2 is happening August 29th for Throwdown 2. But the significance of it is, is it's this year is the 20th anniversary of the Taipei Deathmatch in ECW. So, it'll be uh, Jeff Cannonball versus Matt Tremont in a Taipei Deathmatch with Ian Rotten being the special guest referee. There you go. Uh, then we had, uh, I think, was this the first of the, um, I think this was the first of the Pick Your Poison matches. Uh, Bulldozer Matremont <coughs> defeated Drew Blood uh, with Loudy, who I guess is uh, in, oh, I'm trying to think, is in the corner of Xavier Cross, I think. Uh, but Loudy distract Tremont on the apron. While Xavier hit Drew with foreign object, Tremont turned around and reluctantly pinned his friend. Uh, then we had a four-way, which Mark Angel won, beating Latin Dragon, Fly Warrior, and Mikey McFinnigan. Granakuma then beat Chainsaw Joe Gacy. Uh, then we had Nick Gage with Dewey and Jeff Cannonball beat the Hooligans. So, ba yeah, basically Nick Gage won by himself. I don't want to say who needs the hate club, but if he can win by himself, my word. Um, uh, Jeff Cannonball came out after Gage made his way to the ring and inserted himself into the match before making it into a tag. Oh, so it, so it wasn't... At, so, okay. So it was two-on-one handicap and then became a tag. That's confusing. Um, the match apparently went everywhere, including outside the building. Uh, Gage then called out Scott Summers and says that he wants to fight him on August 29th as well. And then the main event, the no DQ match, uh, Oz Tyler beat bad boy Joey Janela, which saw plenty of interference from the firm, a dive off a truck, <laughs> and uh, a whole load of ladders. A dive off a truck. I hope it wasn't that... Uh, fire truck or whatever that was in that uh, Evolve show anyway uh, that was a, yeah that was the main event uh, Oz Tyler retains uh, next we have uh, AAW's Killers Among Us from Friday which started with the Hooligans beating Matt Fitchett and Davey Vega uh, pinning Vega while Fitchett was outside the ring and afterwards, Vega pushed away Fitchett for not being there. Dissension. Uh, Allison K beat Candice LeRae with a discus lariat. Tyson Dukes victorious over Shane Hollister with the fire art, fireman's press into the bottom turnbuckle after Matt Cage came out to distract Hollister. Uh, Five-person scramble saw Matt Cage beat Heidi Lovelace, Marcus Crane, and Zero Gravity of CJ Esparza and Brett Kakaya. After hitting a pair of money clips on Zero Gravity. Before hitting a code breaker on Marcus Crane. Then uh, Tommaso Ciampa beat Eddie Kingston. After withstanding a back fist. And recovering to hit a face buster off an exposed knee. And then followed with a running knee. Said to be a very good match here. 
Uh, afterwards, Eddie Kingston said he was taking a break to heal some injuries, but then uh, Matt Cage and Tyson Dukes attacked him and put him for a table. So that's nice. Uh, Johnny Gagano's match with Davy Richards didn't happen. Uh, apparently, Davy had some flooding issues, uh, I guess, where he and Angelina are or whatever, so uh, he wasn't able to make it. In his place was DJ Z. Uh, Johnny Gagano won the match with the Gagano escape. Then, uh, for the Heritage title, new champion Lewis Linden did beat Christian Faith uh, with a Dragon Sleeper submission. Afterwards, uh, Gregory Iron was upset at Christian Faith for losing the title. Faith even shoved Iron away, though, so it's not going good for the Iron Curtain. Uh, they then announced that AIW will be returning to Bourbon Street on the 17th of July. We'll give you more details on that in a minute. Because uh, then we have uh, the main event for the AAW tag titles where 004K beat Monster Mafia after Ethan Page took a springboard RKO from Dave Christ and then a combo tombstone from uh, both the Christ brothers. Afterwards, Alexander turned... Oh, sorry. Page turned on Alexander uh, saying that he wanted to defend the AAW title for Alexander, so it's going to be Page versus Alexander for the AAW title at the Vanguard show. Basically, once again, stating that because they've been together for so long, it's his title just as much as it is Alexander's. Which I did like that angle, to be quite honest. Um, now, in terms of the AAW Vanguard show, I can only tell you about the main event. I know that apparently Congo Kong did a moonsault. That is the only stuff that's noted about what actually happened on this match. There is no results anywhere. So all I can tell you is we do have a new AW champion. Ethan Page did beat Josh Alexander. Mm. I wish I could go into more detail, but that's the internet for you. Yeah, you know, I was uh, not surprised that the uh, the main event for the Vanguard show was going to be you know Paige and Alexander it was pretty obvious and of course with uh, Alexander you know retiring from wrestling uh, it was even more obvious that Paige was going to win and you know what I'm ha- very happy for Ethan Page uh, you know now holding uh, actually uh, now holds uh, two titles uh, in his career in the Midwest you know was former absolute champion and now he's the AAW heavyweight champion. He has he been AAW champion before? Yeah, he won it. Yeah, yeah, but oh, it was okay. for. It's just the way you were saying it was like he hasn't had it. <laughs> he's had it before. Yeah, it was like a very short reign. Um, I was, I was my train of thought here. Um, oh, uh, they did announce at the next show. I think it's a United We We Stand. Um, Page is defending his title against Johnny Gargano. So yeah, and a couple of other good matches as well for that one. Uh, OI4K will defend their tag belts against the Hooligans, and it will be Shane Hollister taking on Matt Cage. So the view that's happening currently in Evolve is coming to AAW. Which, which is good, but I'm pretty sure they're not going to reference it. 
you know what? Speaking of Gargano, and uh, I forgot to mention this. Apparently, uh, he was uh, pretty much the talk of the town last week. Because during the NXT tapings, uh, Johnny Gargano had a dark match with the uh, UHA Nation, or whatever is going to be named in the future in NXT. And uh, I guess people were speculating if uh, he's going to get signed. Um, probably not now, but maybe at some point in the upcoming months. But uh, I think it was just there to you know make Uha look strong. And of course, it's not the first time Gorgano has had interaction with WWE. You know, he's had a a couple of appearances, uh, a couple of uh, comedy skits here and there. So. Um, you know, since uh, Triple H likes to sign the uh, the top independent talents, you know, it wouldn't surprise me if he uh, does make uh, an offer to Johnny Gargano. And from what I heard, you know, it was well received the the dark match that did happen. So, although to be fair, I as much as I would love to see Gargano do very well in WWE, I don't see him. Doing anything past uh, the the mid card level, that's about it. Yeah. No, that's probably realistic, yeah. Certainly. So, um, just looking at the time, we've probably got a few minutes left. So, before we get to the nitty-gritty matches of uh, Ring of Honor's Best in the World. Shall we go through some of the earlier stuff? Uh, sure. This isn't really sort of a review. It's sort of thoughts review. It's not It's not an in-depth sort of thing. So uh, the the show started with a dark match. We might as well get that out of the way because it was a four-corner survival match with uh, Cheeseburger getting the victory over JD's All the Romantic Touch and Will Ferreira. But uh, the pay-per-view itself began with uh, Donovan Dijak versus Mark Briscoe. And this actually wasn't too bad an opener. Um, Dijak being not too bad, certainly being obviously the the greener of the two, because Briscoe's been around since practically forever. Um, And very interesting look from uh, Truth Martini. With the red suit and the facial hair. It's worth noting because it didn't stay like that at the end. Somebody must have got a razor very quickly in the next couple of in the previous couple of hours. But your your thoughts on the opening match, Sandra? Well, I'm kind of su- surprised you kind of skipped this over. Uh, before the the paper even started, there was another dark match that occurred. Uh, I didn't even have. Oh no 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 no! That no, that was that's the TV tapings. Yeah, oh. my mistake. My mistake. I, I kind of jumping ahead. We're not getting to that yet. <laughs> I thought that was during the pay per view. My bad. Um, yeah. Uh, I mean the match was fine. Um, I was kind of surprised that Mark, uh, you know, took that bump when uh. Dijak basically body slammed him on the outside. That was it looked pretty brutal. Mm, yeah, and I was kind of surprised he he took it, but um, 
I, I know some people were kind of surprised that Mark got the win because they wanted, you know, to make Dijak like the next uh, eventual star in Ring of Honor. And uh, I personally didn't really have an issue with it. I, I mean, it, it doesn't really hurt to have, you know, Dijak have a loss here and there. It's not like he's having a losing streak. I mean, I'm pretty sure every fan of Ring of Honor would go up in arms and they were saying like, oh, this guy's having a losing streak, blah, blah, blah. It's, I didn't see any issue with it. I thought it was fine for Mark getting a win. So then uh, we had the tag match with the decade of Whitmer and Page with Colby Carino taking on ACH and Matt Seidel. And this was a pretty good tag match. Nothing overly spectacular or crazy. It was the faces taking on the heels. I guess somewhat significant that it was Paige that got the pinfall on uh, Seidel with the rite of passage. Although it obviously still leads to Paige ACH probably happening somewhere down the line, probably at the next show, uh, Death Before Dishonor. Uh, the tag match was good. Uh, obviously, this was the the setup um, to continue the storyline with uh, uh, Colby Carino, you know, being the the young boy of the decade. And uh, I, I guess there um, he wasn't really heavily involved in that night, but he, I, I think he got I think he got involved only once, if I'm not mistaken. Didn't he uh, break up a pinfall attempt? Yeah, he tried to get involved somehow, yeah. From... Uh, overall, I thought the match was fine. Uh, they didn't really much have an issue with, uh, with uh, the ending. I thought it was pretty good. And, uh, you know, the crowd definitely hated BJ Wormer. I mean, <laughs> wow, I haven't heard BJ get a reaction like that in years. There was a very telling comment later on when AJ Styles came out. <laughs> Cole, uh, Buddy Carino said, was like, you know, perhaps they should have a match and, you know, AJ could break his neck like supposedly he's done with other people. <laughs> it's like, whoa, whoa, hold the phone. <laughs> uh, so next we had... I think this will be the last one before we got a break um, because we've got to end on some Peacock. Uh, Silas Young versus Dalton Castle. And Dalton Castle coming out to a rip-off of Queen's I Want It All is brilliant. <laughs> doesn't get old. Doesn't get new. Just brilliant. <laughs> Um, Dalton, you know, this was clearly more of a light-hearted thing, but it was still a pretty good match, to be quite honest. Uh, Silas getting his pants pulled down on him and the crowd chanting, pull your pants up, <laughs> and they did. Huge thank you, Silas chants. But uh, Dalton getting the win. Basically, Silas accidentally low-blowed Dalton, which the referee wasn't happy with. So, uh, Silas shoved the referee over, which then allowed Dalton to Ric Flair-style low blow 
uh, Silas and get the roll up for the win. And then one of the, I guess, could we call them fanboys? Because I think that would be an appropriate name for them. One of the fanboys um, got well and truly splattered by Silas. And then, of course, he <laughs> Dalton drags him out by the foot. And then the other fanboy has to help the other, the injured one out, where Dalton just walks on his own. My God. Ah, oh, this guy. This guy. <laughs> All the different people he may or may not be. My God. I can't help but smile. <laughs> uh, this was a pretty good match. Uh, I enjoyed it for what it was. Uh, it was pretty... Uh, <laughs> it was pretty funny when the, the fanboys were, I guess... Uh, <sighs> I don't know what you call it. I guess they were kind of wooing, wooing uh, you know, to get a reaction from the fans to, like, uh, attempt to channel along. But, uh, it, was the, it was like a peacock call. That's what it was. <laughs> I, I guess so. It pretty much that's, pretty, that's exactly what it was. You know, it was pretty hilarious with that. Um, I, I thought it was still a fun match regardless. And uh, it was uh, pretty funny that, uh, you know, Silas Young took out uh, one of the fanboys. Yeah. <laughs> pretty crazy definitely so um the rest of the ring of honor pay-per-view uh show we'll cover after the break uh we'll also have uh details slash spoilers from the ring of honor tv tapings including the 200th episode uh tapings as well as the dark match thing which we can talk about properly because that that isn't spoilers because the only way you're going to see that is I don't know how probably DVD more than likely and uh, a preview of this weekend shows including the aforementioned Beyond show and uh, PWG so uh, we'll take a quick break you listen to some music relating to the Ring of Honor main event sort of and uh, we'll see you for the next part of the whole indie show after this break. We'll be over soon, they said. Now they've lost themselves instead. Hey there, listeners of the SNS Radio Network, MindWipe here. Now, as most of you listeners know, I happen to promote my own albums every now and again, and the latest one is now available. Yes, Dreamsphere. The musical journey that takes you through the realm of fantasy is now available at MindWipeStudios.info. 14 tracks plus a couple of bonus tracks, all available for the neat little price of 10 bucks US. $10 US or day. So check it out today. It's got some great tracks, including Witchwood... Dreamsphere, Flights of Dragons, and many, many more. Dreamsphere, available at mywinestudios.info.
If you trained, say your prayers, and ate your vitamins, then you'll love the Hulkamania Chronicles. Sean Beckerman, host of Beyond the Bell, your pro wrestling nostalgia podcast, breaks down the history and career of the legendary Hall of Famer, the immortal Hulk Hogan. Each edition covers a different era in the history of the Hulkster as we relive our childhood hero. From the beginning of Hulkamania in the mid-80s and the birth of WrestleMania through the challenging times of the steroid trial all the way to his jump to WCW and the formation of Hollywood Hogan and the New World Order and then his return to the WWF leading in to the Hall of Fame. This edition covers it all. You can catch the Hulkamania Chronicles exclusively on Beyond the Bell here on the SNS Radio Network. Brother. Hey, wrestling fans, do you want to break from the day-to-day ins and outs of the WWE, TNA, and Ring of Honor? Do you like talk radio that pulls no punches? And do you like your sci-fi and fantasy? Well, tune in to the Elite Force Podcast each and every midweek with Chuck W., and each weekend with William Walkie Walker and Mindwipe. Exclusively on the SNS Radio Network and the Chris Jones Gaming Network. Yeah. This is going to be fun. SNS Radio Network. Want to keep up with what's going on with all the personalities and radio shows on the SNS Network? Well, let me tell you how. You can check out the Facebook group over at www.facebook.com slash groups slash SNS Radio Network. On Twitter, follow us at SNS Radio Network. You can follow me, Mr. Money on the Mic, Jeff Jackson, at SNS underscore JJ sex a one. These are just a few ways to keep up with all the happenings going on on the SNS radio network. Welcome back, everyone, to uh, 
probably the final part of this week's show. More than likely it will be. So we're going to continue on, myself and Sandro, with the Ring of Honor pay-per-view uh, recap of sorts. Going now with the return of CNC Wrestle Factory, Caprice Coleman, Cedric Alexander, with War Machine. Which, it was a shame that it was a short match, but things that happened in it explained why it was a short match. Because Cedric wanted to go heel. There was, I think there was a miscommunication within the first minute or so with Alexander being taken out to the outside and uh, Cedric's reply was grabbing a spanner from underneath the ring. Not like a usual spanner. It was more like a sort of special wrench for putting the ring up, I think. Wouldn't you say, Sandra? Yeah. So uh, he wanted to be tagged in, Cedric. Capri saw it and he said, like, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not winning this way. So Capri... Uh, got hit with the uh, hang on look at my notes the fallout and then afterwards Alexander was going to go and hit Caprice with the wrench but instead picked Caprice up and just like moved his hands to gesture it's over man it's over we're done And he went to the back. So, CNC Wrestle Factory for one night only is truly one night only. Um, the match was was fine. Uh, I didn't really. I wasn't bothered by it. I thought it was only there to obviously the setup that you know, Sedger uh, was gonna split from. Uh, uh, even though they kind of came back for like maybe two or three appearances, so it they already they had already kind of teased this. Um, I don't recall if it was during the uh, the Global War tapings or the tapings uh, prior to that, but they were kind of already teasing that uh, last couple of uh, once say weeks leading up to this, so. I mean, this was eventually going to happen. I honestly thought that he was going to attack um, Cole Coleman after after the match, but uh, surprised he didn't at that point. Um, uh, War Machine definitely looks strong, so uh, they're they're definitely trying to to push them as the next top tag team, as they were scheduled to do, a, you know, prior before Raymond Rowe got hurt in that uh, motorcycle accident. Yeah. So uh, then the number one contenders match, your triple threat with uh, Michael Elgin, Moose, who, uh, what is up with Moose's attire? That's, this is weird. The only thing I can now negatively say about Moose is why did he think he was Robo Moose? That's the only thing I can think of. They're just the the football pads. They're just painted black. Yeah, but he basically looked like Robo Moose. <laughs> I mean, he had that before at the uh, anniversary show in uh, February. 
Either way, um, also we had Roderick Strong. <laughs> um, Moose did the old Dusty Rhodes elbow, which was well received. And the thing I have to admit is Moose did bloody good in this. And this was a very good triple threat match. There wasn't there wasn't really a lull in the action at any point. It was just action non-stop pretty much. From bell to bell. And that sort of thing is something everybody should be approving of. So, uh, yeah. Uh, Roderick Strong eventually getting the win. With a sick kick to Elgin. And then uh, after a couple of, uh, I think, elbows, it was a sick kick to Moose that eventually got him the number one contendership spot. But... Uh, what happened afterwards was interesting because Moose shakes Strong's hand. So Vader Scott uh, slapped him for it. And then, you know, Stokely wasn't happy with this. Moose obviously wasn't happy with this. Then all of a sudden, Cedric comes out, hits Moose with the wrench, and hits Stokely with the wrench. And Cedric is claiming, you know, I should have been in this match for getting the victory over him. So it looks as if Cedric is now being managed by Vader and Stokely staying with Moose. Thank God. Didn't need two managers, so at least we got rid of that now. And to be honest, it's good to see Cedric going heel. Because somebody has to take on the face champion. Whoever it may be. Because I'm not spoiling it, in case you don't know. Uh, first off, I thought it was uh, a nice added touch to, to bring out some cheerleaders during Moose's entrance. That was, that was a nice touch there. Uh, the match itself was actually pretty good, I will say that. And uh, yeah, definitely uh, Moose has been improving the last several months in Ring of Honor. I will say that. Uh he did look good in the ring. Uh, there was a moment where he, uh, I believe he almost, um, not, not really want to say botchabu, but like he almost um, almost dropped. Uh, I, I want to say it might have been Elgin because like Elgin like uh, went for like a crossbody and he caught him, but like he almost lost his balance. So he almost like tumbled over, but he, he managed to like get his balance and uh, I think he like threw him around or something. Yeah, um, I will say uh, Roddy looked really good in the match. Uh, crowd was definitely into Roddy. Uh, crowd, majority of the crowd hated Elgin. Uh, really good match from all three guys, and uh, obviously uh, the only logical uh, winner was definitely Roderick Strong, and that's what occurred. Um, I was a bit conflicted with the whole, uh, you know, Veda not really happy with Moose because, like, she's, excuse me, because he's holding the, the court of honor thing and everything. But at the same time, you know, I, I'm also kind of happy that uh, she's kind of splitting up from Moose because there's really no need to have two managers for one person. Mm -hmm. But, uh, yeah, interesting to see. Uh, with the uh, team of uh, Beta Scott and Cedric Alexander, uh, you know, 
should be interesting to see what they do uh, together. And uh, I guess for the time being, uh, we're gonna we're gonna have a few between Moose and uh, Alexander. So should be very interesting. Yeah, something I'm actually looking forward to. Certainly. So following on from this, Bullet Club versus the Kingdom. I don't even need to tell you about this match to say why you should watch it. Because arguably it's six names here that are probably at the top of their game right now in the indie scene. That's all I want to say. All I will say is we had super kicks. We had dual indie takers. We had super kicks with Pele's to women. Um, crazy synchronized spots. A plenty. And... Yeah, I don't want to say anything because you need to watch this match. Once again, these six delivered. Enough said. Uh, yeah, this was a fun, fun match to watch. Uh, I enjoyed it. Uh, the crowd was really into this match from start to finish. Uh, always the the Bullet Club was crazy over. Which is not a surprise. Uh, it was actually a, a pretty nice to see a Maria do a super kick at one point during the match. That was pretty interesting. And then I got a laugh after Karina called it. Uh, you know, she did a sexy super kick. That was pretty funny right there. And uh, should have been a super chick kick. That's what it should have been. <laughs> and uh, of course, once again, uh, Maria was the victim of a triple. Well, not really a, a triple super kick. It was more of a double super kick and Pele combination. So, uh, yeah, not a really good night for Maria. as She was uh, pretty much knocked out for like the last couple of minutes of the match. But it, that match was so much fun, I will say. Uh, f- fun, fun, fun. Uh, if you're a fan of, you know, moves with the Z, you'll like it. If, <laughs> if you don't, you're probably going to hate the match. You know, no psychology or whatever. But it was just a fun match to watch. Uh, and I wouldn't mind seeing uh, another rematch between uh, both teams. Moves River Z. I like it. Don't know why. <laughs> uh, so then we have your no DQ tag team title match with the Addiction versus Red Dragon. <laughs> this match should have been really good. Instead, it was just good. I don't, you know, the fact that it's no DQ and it's like tornado tag, you'd have thought, you know, big stuff could have happened, but in all honesty, it sort of really didn't, which is really a shame because it, it should have been better, in all honesty. Yeah, you know, you know, it's, it's not that it's a bad match, but it just didn't feel like, after coming after Bullet Club and Kingdom, it felt like a step down when it should have been keeping the momentum up and everything and shouldn't have knackered the crowd out because they deserved it. Um, oh, but one thing I do want to touch on, which was awesome, and I want to ask you this, Sandra. What the hell was Daniels wearing? Both in his entrance and in the wrestling ring? 
<laughs> well, he's huh? well, he's the ring general. That's why he had that get up on. Why is he is he is he Himmler? It's like. Well, it was different. I don't know. <laughs> I'm confused. Uh, I, I'll agree. It was good. You know, it wasn't like something excited happened. I th- think the issue, uh, the reason that I think majority of the crowd wasn't that into this match in particular, it was simply because it occurred right after that six-man tag. And that took a lot from the crowd. Uh, yeah. It probably would have been better if they had uh, switched the match between both of those two matches. You know, it probably they probably would have gotten a better reaction from the crowd. Um, I don't know. To me, I got to be honest. I I kind of completely forgot about this match, especially that uh, no DQ stipulation. But for what it was, it, it was a good match. Yeah, it was good, but it just felt a little bit like e- even sort of the the touch when it's like, oh, have somebody not do anything in the match by duct taping them to the rope. And that 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 move is always seem seemingly you know uh, disliked. Like, I remember when Cena duct taped Batista. To the ring post, so he couldn't get up in the last man standing match. It just seems like this. This is where booking went wrong. <laughs> I don't know, but you know, still good match. Addiction retain with a celebrity rehab on Bobby Fish for the win. And then after that, we had your main event: Jay Briscoe and his world title, Jay Lethal and his TV title. Both belts on the line. Somebody's walking out with everything. Somebody's walking out with nothing. The nice touch from the start. Jay Diesel and Dijak got thrown out pretty much within the first 20 seconds. After trying to interfere. So then it was just Truth Martini, which is fair because of the whole manager's thing. But then in terms of interference... You're obviously slimming it down because you've only got one guy compared to three. And you knew something significant was happening because both their parents were there. <laughs> Lethal's parents were there and uh, Briscoe's were. And it then got to a point towards the end where I think they were on the apron. And it looks like they were. It looked like they were going to do a table spot. And Truth Martini got up on the ropes, which allowed Lethal to low blow uh, Briscoe, which Nigel McGuinness being on commentary saw. So therefore, he dispatched Truth Martini to the back. So for the final ten minutes or so, it was just a one-on-one match, which that ten minutes started with Briscoe putting. Putting lethal through the table with a J driller, which I think nearly went very wrong because I don't think the table went perfectly because it 
if if it went wrong, somebody could have smacked their head on that chair. I guess they left the chair tucked in underneath the table, and it, you know if if that hadn't been done in the right place, somebody could have smacked their head on the the chair because it would have kept the table up. So thank you know thank God that went all right, but uh, eventually it was Jay Lethal with a Jay Driller of his own, followed by a lethal injection to get the free count, and. Finally, after years of injustice at various companies, you know, I don't want to say that the TV title is the best title in the world because that's undeserving of Jay Lethal. Jay Lethal has been deserving of being world champion in Ring of Honor, certainly, for a fair few years. And it's a shame it's taken till June 2015 to right that wrong. Lethal and Briscoe shook hands to end the show and the crowd are cheering. They don't even care if he's supposed to be a heel. Because this is to prove all those naysayers wrong, I think. People like TNA that just had him on the undercard and didn't think there was any future for him. And to some extent, to some extent, I'd say also Cornette because Cornette never put him into the main title picture, did he? When he was in charge for a few years back in, what, 2011, 2012 time? Um, I don't think he did. I think he might have gotten a few opportunities. I remember he had the match with uh, Kevin Steen and uh, they had that angle where um, I think uh, Lethal went apeshit and he threw... Uh, Cornette backstage. Yeah. And I, think, and I think he got like. Suspended. Yeah, it was because his mother got involved, wasn't it? Yeah, something like that. <clears throat> Steen spat on his mother, so he just went ape shit nuts. Either way, nobody had the confidence to make him world champion until the day Delirious got in a car accident. In fact, he wasn't injured. He just was in a car accident and had to tell the police officers, uh, excuse me, gentlemen, but I need to be heading to Terminal 5 because I'm uh, producing a pay-per-view that's going out in a few hours. But, yeah. Lethal, long, long overdue Ring of Honor world champ. Uh, this match was, was good. Uh, it started slow in the beginning. But uh, it, it picked up uh, eventually. Very um, good back and forth between both guys. Uh, yeah, he definitely had that case of, you know, even though he's the heel, he is still, you know, cheering for him. I, I, I didn't have an issue with that. I mean, this is, you know, Ring of Honor. They're going to cheer for whoever they like, you know, regardless of psychology or whatnot. Uh, I'm very happy for Jay Lethal. I I I thought this was a, probably the best move they can do because of the storyline that was headed into this match. How he felt that the television title was superior than the world title. So I I thought this was a a very interesting storyline that it was leading to the match itself. Now we shall see how they'll, 
you know, take over from here with the match itself. Um, obviously, you know, he's going to have the match with uh, Roddy at the uh, Death Before Dishonor show. After that, um, I mean, who knows? Uh, I think there might be a couple of contenders for or Jay Lethal for the time being. Uh, will there be a rematch? Uh, probably so, at some point. Uh, but, uh, you know, we'll have to wait and see. Overall, uh, I thought the show was pretty good from top to bottom. Uh, the beginning, you know, it was, it was good. Then uh, I think halfway through, it started getting really, really good uh, with that six-man tag. And uh, I think the rest of the show was... was I, I thought it was solid. Uh, overall... Uh, I'll probably give it an A minus. Yeah, I'd, I'd give it um, A minus to B plus. You know, there were some bits that didn't work, but overall, it was a pretty strong show. The the six man tag alone, the number one contenders, and the world title match are worth trying to catch this mm-hmm. on demand or whatever. Very, very good show. And also, you know, I'm praising Moose. Pigs are flying right now. I'm, I'm, I've been, I've been, I've been righted. Moose, you've impressed me. <laughs> so, uh, TV tapings. There will be spoilers probably for the next five to ten minutes here. So, if you don't want to know about it, just jump to the bit. Just jump ahead, and you know, if it. So if we're not talking about Samoa Joe a lot, um, don't turn back. So uh, the taping started with a dark match with AR Fox. Um, he was in tag action, teaming with Tem Phoenix, being on the losing end of the nuclear... Who the hell is the nuclear casserole? <laughs> was that the name of a tag team or a move? It says Nuclear Casserole defeated AR Fox and Ken Phoenix. Wow. <laughs> what kind of name is that? <laughs> uh, something I expect on the menu at KFC. <laughs> I think that's something uh, Chikara could pull off. <laughs> yep. My goodness. Nuclear Casserole versus Lost Ice Creams. You got dinner and dessert. There you Where's, go. The star- Where's the starter? There you go. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my goodness. Uh, apparently Fox wasn't... He wasn't badly received, but he wasn't real, well received either. From what I know. Hmm. Mainly, I think, because it's his first Ring of Honor match. And the Ring of Honor fans are different to Gabe Sapolsky fans. I kind of find that a bit hard to believe, to be honest. But regardless, uh, well, perhaps perhaps it's because people weren't used to him being on the dark match. That might have been it. Because I think for some people, Ar Fox being in Ring of Honor, it's not like a Uha Nation in NXT. Rather than being a step up, it's sort of a step. It's not a step backwards. It's more like a step sideways. Obviously, because of the predicaments that have happened in uh, Dragon Gate Evolve. He's having to do this sort of thing, but 
hey, if, if it does mean he does get picked up, it would be nice to see. But um, we'll have to see. Um, You'll probably be working... I wouldn't be surprised that if that's the case, that he might be working the dark matches during the Field of Honor shows, possibly. Oh, well, we'll have to wait and see. But uh, on a side note, uh, I want to congratulate A.R. Fox, who uh, got married this past weekend. So, therefore, congratulations to him and his new wife. Congrats to him, definitely. Uh, so, you previously mentioned that Strong Lethal, obviously it was because of what happened on the pay-per-view, is happening uh, for the July 24th pay-per-view in Baltimore. Uh, they also said that the addiction will be in tag team action in a four-way with War Machine, Red Dragon, and the Kingdom. Uh, pretty interesting there. So, uh, the first episode starts with Dalton Castle beating Watanabe with his rotation faceplant. Uh, Dalton cuts a promo while reclining on his boys that he's the only man in Ring of Honor. Silas Young obviously is held back by uh, the referees, and Castle tells him, eat your heart out. Oh, my word. This is getting good. Um, Jay Lethal cuts a promo then. Um, basically, Nigel McGuinness introduces him in the House of Truth. Nigel says, which title wants to vacate? Lethal says, neither. <clears throat> so... Uh, Leaf will have to defend each title separately. So Mark Briscoe gets a TV shot next week. Roddy then comes out to confront Leaf and says he'll be victorious at death before dishonor. Uh, then we had Red Dragon and Michael Elgin beat the kingdom. Uh, after a chasing the dragon on Cole with O'Reilly getting the pin. So before the match, Maria said that what happened at Best in the World wasn't Adam's fault, but... Her tone says, you know, it was, but they'll prove the kingdom will never fail. So afterwards, Maria's shocked. Uh, the kingdom's shocked because Cole then shakes everyone's hand. The crowd want him to leave. Cole raised O'Reilly's hand and left on his own, but I guess he's, I guess he's edging towards a tweener now. Then uh, episode two saw Matt Seidel beat Adam Page with the SSP. Uh, Whitmer attacked Seidel post-match. ACH made for the save, but uh, Whitmer blasted ACH with a chair and put him in a chokehold, while Page put Seidel with the Amori driver to stack of chairs. And ACH challenges Page for death before dishonor, so it looks like that's happening. Uh, Vader Scott then comes out and says that Cedric Alexander versus Moose will be also happening for uh, Death Before Dishonor. Uh, and Vader mocks Moose for his trying and failing in NFL and at pro wrestling. And, you know, I have I would agree with Vader, but Moose has turned the corner. But I have to agree with Vader because she's an awesome wrestler. She's good on the mic, but she's a better wrestler. Let's be honest. But, you know, Ring of Honor doesn't like women's wrestling. Because, you know, that doesn't work anywhere. Next <clears throat> day. Uh, Will Ferreira beat Silas Young. This was basically a squash of all squash matches until Dalton's boys came out and uh, basically Ferreira schoolboyed Silas for the win. Silas then immediately, immediately uh, beat up the fanboys uh, who got carried away by security. 
Then for the TV title, Jay Lethal retained against Mark Briscoe. Uh, ODB came out to balance Truth presence. We didn't actually mention that. ODB tore up the, the Truth's book in the opening match. Amazingly, he came out with another one. I don't know whether that's the second edition. It's still hardback. That's impressive. I don't think that, I don't think that's what it was. I think she only tore up like the the paper cover of the book. It was a different book. I don't know. I think it was just the uh, the cover of it because I, I saw Martini having the rest of the book intact. So <laughs> who knows? Um, Diesel tried to run in for a DQ, but Martin got in before it was called. Dijak got taken out, but Jay Briscoe stopped them. Uh, it basically led to a diesel low blow and a lethal injection. They all brawled. Roddy got involved and challenged uh, the House of Truth to a six-man. But then ODB comes in. Let's make it an eight-person tag, except your fourth person is Truth Martini. It's like, damn. So... uh then we had episode three, which by the looks of it was taped before episode when it or in terms of broadcast, episode three will air after episode four. So that's confusing. Uh the Young Bucks and AJ beat War Machine. Which seems a little bit unfair. Oh, I see. It's not unfair. So Nick Jackson appeared to be injured and sat on the floor for a while to the point that Styles came into the match, hit Ray with a Styles clash to score the pin. And then Nick revealed it was all a trick. So basically, it was sort of a handicap match, but not, but yes, but what? Uh, then Cedric Alexander beat the Romantic Touch. Moose and Stokely did come down to the ring, but Vader and Cedric left. Uh, Adam Cole and Kyle O'Reilly was declared a no contest after Cole was thrown into Christopher Daniels, who was on commentary. <clears throat> then afterwards, Kazarian came down and tried to fight them both, which resulted for one night only... In an impromptu match, the addiction versus future shock. <laughs> what? This is majorly unexpected. And amazingly, future shock got the win in a non title match. So Kyle and Riley shook hands at the dismay of the kingdom. So are they getting back together? I, I'm confused. If so. <laughs> Oh, I don't, I don't even know what the possibilities are. This is awesome. <laughs> I mean, what's your take on it, Sandra? Uh, to be honest, I I was I was surprised like everybody else, but I honestly don't want to see this uh, whole kingdom end. I kind of want to see it continue with Adam Cole. It seems like. I, I guess they wanted to turn Adam uh, babyface. Uh, I don't know if they're trying to build up a, a face Adam Cole against uh, Jay Lethal at some point. I think that's possibly the only explanation I could think of of why they might be doing this. But I I would rather see him continue, you know, as a heel, you know, with the kingdom because I, I think they've been doing a pretty good job. In the, the last couple of weeks, in the last couple of months, excuse me. So, um, you know, not really in favor of this whole thing, but 
I'll, I'll give it a chance and see, you know, what they're doing with them, you know, in the upcoming months. So, uh, then we come to episode four, whatever they take. Uh, Bennett and Taven beat Jonathan Gresham and Corey Hollis with a spike pile driver. Then in a six-way scramble, Moose beat Caprice Coleman, Brutal Bob Evans, Silas Young, Cheeseburger, and Dalton Castle after spearing uh, Brutal Bob. Then there was a segment when BJ came out and said he got Colby Carino a gift called the Decade Gauntlet Match. His opponents were Shaheem Ali, the Wild Man, Ben Ortiz, and the Punisher. Uh, during it, Steve Carino entered the ring and confronted Whitmer, to which Nigel came out and sent the decade to the back, and then also Carino to the back. It looks as if Carino BJ is happening eventually. It just takes five years of build-up, apparently. Uh, and then Bobby Fish beat ACH with a superplex. And then in what's being labelled as episode five as being episode 200, although I can't think of just one match being on the 200th episode. Uh, the Briscoes, Roderick Strong and ODB beat Jay Lethal, Donovan, Dijak, Di- 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 Jay Diesel and Truth Martini after ODB pinned Truth. And then Roddy Strong, Dosey Dobe with the Briscoes. That's a thing, apparently. So then we get to the Samoa Joe bit. Samoa Joe, Samoa Joe, Samoa Joe, Samoa Joe, Samoa Joe. You see? When I say Samoa Joe, we've got to the end of the spoilers because this is the stuff that wasn't filmed for TV. Basically, what happened here was Curtain Call version 2. Joe Styles and the Addiction hugged afterwards, very sort of click style. Because, of course, the likelihood is this will be the last time these four guys will wrestle together, possibly anywhere. Uh, with uh, a simultaneous Styles Clash and Muscle Buster uh, finishes. Uh, Joe cut a promo afterwards, which is circling around on the net, saying that he was pro wrestling because he wrestled in Ring of Honor and that Ring of Honor is changing the world. And everybody cried and threw streamers and probably got drunk. Apart from Samoa Joe, because he's probably got to do an NXT show. <laughs> Sandro? Um, <clears throat> you know, I, I wish I, I could have went to that show, but um, <clears throat> I didn't go. I had other things to do. Uh, you know, sounded like a fun match. Um it wouldn't surprise me if this match gets released online on the Ring of Honor YouTube. It wouldn't surprise me one bit. Um, I don't think they would get in trouble for that. I mean, unless there's some sort of deal in this in Joe's contract that prevents that from happening. But uh, it wouldn't surprise me. We'll see. Uh, so that's all the results. Um you know, thoughts and everything on uh, this weekend stuff. <clears throat> or last weekend, sorry, stuff. <clears throat> the last weekend stuff, sorry. If I can get it in the right w- order. So, we'll quickly go through the previews uh, for this weekend's shows. Uh, first mention that there is a Kurokan Hall show from New Japan happening this Sunday. Which, is it on New Japan World or is it live or is it 
only on demand on New Japan World, do we know? Uh, I'm not really sure, but it's more than likely going to end up on New Japan World. Yeah, it will be in some shape or form. Um, some of the, a, a couple of big matches, um, Naito, Nakanishi and Kushida will take on the Bullet Club of Tamatonga, Kenny Omega and Bad Luck Fale. The other half of the Bullet Club, Anderson Gallows and Yujiro face chaos of uh, Rapongi Vice, and Okada. And then in a special five-on-five Survivor Series-style elimination match, it'll be Goto, Makabe, Tanahashi, Shibata, and Homma taking on Nakamura, Ishii, Yano, Sakuraba, and Yoshihashi. Which look to be pretty strong matches. Obviously, this is all building up to next weekend's Dominion show. And uh, the ro- the other road to Dominion show at Kurikan Hall on Friday. Going head-to-head with Sumo Hall. I don't, you know, that could be an interest. It'll be interesting to see which is sold out. I, I, I bet that the show in Jap- the WWE show won't be, but the New Japan one might be. We'll have to see. Uh, next, uh, Insane Championship Wrestling, which isn't the one in Scotland. This is uh, Insane Championship Wrestling coming from. Uh, the Queensborough Elks Lodge in Elmshurst, New York, uh, with two nights of what they're labeling the double impact. Uh, so Friday, we'll be featuring uh, Danny DeManto versus Joey Janela, Team Tremendous, Milk Chocolate, and the Kingdom of Bennett and Taven in triple threat tag action. AR Fox teams up with Brian Myers to take on Azriel and Papadon. JT Dunn versus Chris Dickinson. Uh, Shenron versus Shane Strickland and uh, Casey Blade versus EC Negro. Uh, with, I think, Casey Blade being managed by former alumni of the show, uh, Matthew Ryan Shapiro, former guest, I should say. Um, also, Sam Mann, Gene Snitsky, Dan Math, and a few others will be appearing as well. General admission is 20 bucks. Fort row is four, four, front row sorry, is 40. The doors open at 6 with a bell time of 8. Uh, they're also having a show on Saturday where apparently Homicide is going to be showing up being the former champ. But uh, I'm guessing he's going to get involved probably somehow. Uh, the B Squad are going to be making their debut for the show on that card as well. Uh, ticket price is the same. Doors open and bell time is the same as the Friday of 6 and 8. Uh, EC Negro on that card will be taking on Chris Hero. Uh, it'll be EYFBO versus Team Tremendous. Trevor Lee faces Chris Dickinson. That could be a tasty one. Uh, AR Fox versus Joey Janela. Biff Busick versus Colt Cabana. And then for the vacant ICW title, it'll be Danny DeManto, Amazing Red, Dan Math, and Samoa Joe. If Samoa Joe wins it, I think that's unlikely. <laughs> for various reasons. <laughs> Uh, then uh, CWF Mid-Atlantic will be having absolute justice this Saturday. Uh, doors open at 7 with a 7.30 bell time. Tickets are only $10 for the show and uh, $25 for the VIP seating. So on this one, uh, we have Marcellus King versus Evan Banks for CWF's golden ticket, which is the right to name any match of any opponents at any stipulation at any moment. They're basically sort of money in the bank, but with different com- you know, connotations. 
Texas Tornado match with Eric Raw and Aaron Biggs taking on the Riot. Uh, Kamikaze Kid versus Roy Wilkins. So if Wilkins wins, Kamikaze Kid must join the All-Stars as the coach's water boy. But if Kamikaze Kid wins, uh, coach's whistle gets taken away from him. Apparently that's a thing. Uh, Chet Sterling defends the Mid-Atlantic TV title against Darius Lockhart, which was the match that should have happened on the Battle Bowl show, but became a triple threat instead uh, with Ethan Case. Ethan Case, in turn, will be defending his Ultra J Championship against Andrew Everett. And Brad Attitude defends the Mid-Atlantic Heavyweight title against Lee Valiant in a steel cage match in which is being billed as the final battle. Basically, whoever loses cannot challenge for the title again as long as that person holds the belt. Also set to appear are Chris Lee, Smith Garrett, Charlie Weston, Colby Carino, Jesse Adler, the RGL champion Ethan Sharp, Michael McAllister, and the debuting Prakash Sabah. Too sweet. That's all I'm saying. Too sweet. Uh, then uh, we come to Beyond Wrestling with uh, Life Sucks and Then You Die at Fet Music. I think t- tickets will be available on the door, more than likely. As well as on Look Marno fans, you can go there to get all the details. I think tickets are, I think, is it $20 in advance and 25 on the day? That's normally the pricing for Beyond, isn't it? Yes, it is. Uh, so with this one, uh, scheduled to compete but not yet named in matches are Angel Ortiz, David Starr, Eric Corvus, Yaka, Mike Drastic and Mike Quest. But in terms of matches confirmed as of recording, Stockade and Nick Gage will be in a no DQ match. <laughs> That's going to be fun already. Uh, Colt Cabana and Johnny Cockstrong will be in a scientific exhibition, which means it'll be crazy. Uh, the hit squad of the Mafia, of Matthew and Monster Mac take on the hooligans of Devin and Mason Cutter in what's being described as reinforce the ring. <laughs> I like these names. Um, an open challenge. It'll be death by elbow of JT Dunn and Chris Hero against the best tag team in the world. They haven't said who that is, but considering the Young Bucks are not in Japan this week, Take a guess. Just got a feeling. Uh, Biff Busick takes on Donovan Dijak in a fight for honor. Does that mean they get into Ring of Honor or something? I don't know. Um, for the first time at Fet Music, Team Tremendous take on Candice and Joey. In what's being labeled as the Please Don't Die match, I, I don't think that's accurate considering what might be happening later. Um, Paul London takes on AR Fox and the main event grudge match Chris Dickinson and Heidi Lovelace take on Shenron and Kimberly. that's more likely to be please don't die after the last time you know two of them got in the ring world star hip hop is calling <laughs> and uh, finally uh, PWG's mystery vortex 3 rock and shock the nation uh, the American Legion post in Reseda, California. Very few tickets will be available on the door. If you're not already in the queue, because this will probably be up Friday, then you're probably screwed. 
if I'm honest. Be interesting to see how many celebrities are at this one as well, considering the last one we reviewed, there was quite a few there. Uh, as with all the previous mystery vortices, I love that. We've, it's not vortexes, it's vortices. Somebody's looked that up. Uh, there is no lineup. It will just be announced on the night. Uh, I'm guessing Young Bucks will be there. Probably Roderick Strong. Probably Candice and Joey. Um, more than likely, Speedball Mike Bailey will be there and probably Trevor Lee. Uh, Andrew Everett. We might have the tag. Oh, I'm just thinking if we have the Young Bucks versus Everett and Lee for the tag belts. I'd approve. <laughs> Along with who knows, who knows who else will be showing up. I hate to break it to you, but uh, the Bucks has stated that uh, they're not going to be wrestling for PWG at the moment. Oh, no. God damn it, Jeff Jarrett. I blame you. This also uh, affects the anniversary show as well. So that means the rumor for Tremendous 4 goes out the window. Mm-hmm. Bollocks. Um, God damn you, Jeff Jarrett. <laughs> not sure about uh, Bola Weekend. They, I, I'm guessing they could be there. I still say God damn you, Jeff Jarrett. That's blatantly the reason why. I would say. I don't think New Japan's had a problem before. So, I've just got a feeling that may be a factor. Either way, who knows what will happen. I don't think we're going to have what was teased at the last show happen yet. I think they're going to time... Candice and Roddy for some point. Possibly Bola, possibly the anniversary show. We'll have to see. But I think it, it it's more than likely now that Candice LeRae will be PWG World Champion this year. From what happened at the last show. I doubt it will happen at Mystery Vortex. But... I think it will be happening at some point this year. And I I think they will be doing a title change. Because after all the hate and barrage that she's had on social media for certain things that happened, because was it this year or was it late last year when she got all the criticism for bleeding? You know, for, uh, for for winning the tag titles with Joey. I think it was last year, wasn't it? Yeah. But after all she's been through and her time with the company, I think she's deserving. So I'd hope hopefully it will happen this year. Either way, we'll find out what happens on Friday. We'll be following social media from the people that are there to tell us what this match is happening. This is pretty awesome. Either way, uh, that's the previews done, and that is your lot from us for this week. So uh, check out all the other shows on the SNS Radio Network. You've got a new Unplugged uh, put up uh, this past week. Um, Sticks and Flicks will be coming back this weekend after recovering from E3. Because some of the things that happened. Also, some stuff has 
some stuff from E3 has had some interesting developments build from it, which, to be honest, it might have been worth taking a week off to see some of the crap that's happened. Oh, my word. Um, and then also uh, the Elite Force podcast. And uh, check out the archives of all the other shows on the SNS Radio Network page, along with ours. But if you want to get in touch with us, you know, if you've been to a show or, you know, you've seen any of the shows we've talked about or, you know, want to tell us a card for a show that's upcoming that you think we should uh, be uh, telling everybody about, Sandra will give you all the details. Yeah, you can find us on Facebook, www.facebook.com slash the show. Find us on Twitter at TWIS underscore podcast. Uh, you can send us an email over at uh, whole indie, indie with a Y, at snsradionetwork.com. Find us on iTunes and Stitcher. Rate us, subscribe, and leave us feedback. And you can find all the archives and RSS feeds over at snsradionetwork.com. So, uh, with that, Song of the Night. Again, Glastonbury theme, but this time it's an act that actually is happening. And because we're probably going to be getting to this point very soon, it's The Who. I think it's the live from Leeds track that they did. I know it was on a Greatest Hits thing, so I think we can play it. Uh, and it's the Summertime Blues. Yeah, they did a cover. It was awesome. Because it was them. Because it was The Who. That being said, that was Sandro. This was Ashley. That has been your weekly slice of indie goodness. We'll see you next week. The 4th of July weekend. Cue fireworks. Night, everyone.